Hello and welcome to Sir Thriver Unleashed. I'm Reno Romano, your host and a Sir Thriver and advocate for survivors of child sexual abuse and sexual assault. This show is all about the endless positive possibilities of Sir Thriving after sexual abuse. So let's get started with today's program. Hello, Sir Thriver. Welcome to today's show. I'm so excited. I have a fantastic human being with me today, Carrington Smith or Carrie Smith. She is a single mom, an attorney, a business owner, and and an executive search professional. She is also a Sir Thriver of sexual assault, two divorces, piles of debt, abuse, religious mind games, the death of loved ones, and the loss of close friends. Please help me welcome Carrie Smith. Hi, Carrie. Hi, Rena. So I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. You're, I'm thrilled to have you here, Carrie. And I did some research and, and searching you out and looking at your website and looking at your new book. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. And I really, I want to congratulate you on being here. I want to share something with the audience that I saw on your website, because my listeners know me. And it said, you've been told to shut up and not tell your story. It makes people feel uncomfortable. What has compelled you to share your story, Carrie? You know, after all these years of, uh, first of all, I'll say when I would try to tell my story, and what I felt was like a safe group of friends or something, I was oftentimes uh, minimized. Mm. So it's like, oh, it's just another sexual assault, or it wasn't that bad. You're just being dramatic. And I just finally was like, no, I'm telling my story. You know, every gritty detail of it, because I wanted people to understand this wasn't just you know, I, I feel the, the one thing about the Me Too movement that's sort of been a negative is that people sort of now are like, oh, it's just another sexual assault because there's so, so many women speaking up. Right. And part of my story, the reason I am a little bit graphic in my book is because I wanted people to understand the pain that I experienced and I wanted them to understand all of the ramifications of what happened to me. So I don't just talk about it it, in the moment, but I talk about how I wasn't allowed to talk about it. I mean, immediately the first person I told said, oh, don't say anything. It could come back. It could come back to harm you. Uh, So I immediately was told to shut up. And then when I finally then had the courage to say something to my mother, her response, (laughs) I still am blown away to this day. I told her I'd been raped and her response was to get angry with me and to tell me that um, she's so disappointed in me. She had hoped that I would be a virgin when I got married and that I was never to speak of this again and never to mention it to my father. And so I kept that. I mean, I listened to her and I didn't speak about it for six years. And the thing is, I think partly too, a lot of us, don't talk about these experiences because we're like, oh, I don't want it to own me. I don't want it to, I don't want to be all about that. 
But the reality is that when we don't talk about them, they do own us. I like to refer to trauma as the monster under the bed. And if you don't deal with it, it's there lurking. And so for me, I became promiscuous. I received the message that I was not valuable other than for sex. And so I kept reliving that trauma again and again. And yeah. And so for me, the first, the first time I ever quote unquote talked about the book, I mean, talked about um, my sexual assault was when I wrote it in a story to a guy that I'd been seeing to explain my behavior. And I found it so much easier to write my story than to tell it because I'd already, each time I tried to say it, I'd been shut down. But when I sat down at my computer, I just, I wrote and there was nobody there to tell me to shut up. Right. And so it was easier for me to write it than to say it. And then as things progressed, I was able to um, share more and look at it from different angles. And so what happens in my book is I take people on a journey from the moment something happens. And there's lots of different topics we cover in the book, but particularly I open the book with the sexual assault. Um, I take them on the journey of it happening to me, how I handled it, all like the depths of despair and things that I went through, but also how I came out on the other end and took what was ugly and horrible and awful and claimed it. And good for you. And that's what this, that's what this show is all about is to show other survivors that healing after trauma is possible. And I'm so sorry you had that experience with your mother. And I do have, um, I had the opposite experience. I had a great experience when I told my mother. Unfortunately, many, many survivors have the experience from their family like you did. And that just perpetuates the shame. And when tell pe- people tell us to shut up, it perpetuates the shame as well. So I encourage everyone to go to YouTube, watch my TEDx, Healing from Sexual Abuse Can Start with One Word. And um, yeah, everybody asks, what's that word? Go watch the talk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a teaser. But Carrie, I, I find that. Um, so. You did write a book and I know that, and I think you'll agree with this, writing about your experiences is, is can be and is very therapeutic. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. Um, one of the things for me that was important in that writing process was that I had lots of friends who'd written books who wanted to review it and give me feedback and they kept offering and I kept refusing. <laughs> I only let professional editors review it because... I didn't want somebody telling me to, you know, change the way I wrote my story, you know, change the tone or, you know, that would, again, would have been telling me sort of to shut up. We don't want to hear it this way, Carrie, you know? And so I thought it was really important that, and I also realized that I really had a very specific voice. I didn't want someone telling me, you know, how to change that. Um, And in the end, I'm really happy with how it turned out. And I've the feedback from women has blown my mind, honestly. That's great. Can I see the, the book? I have not yeah. had a chance to read it yet. Full disclosure with everybody, because this it's called Blooming 
and blooming in the subtitle finding gifts in the shit of life it's a beautiful book beautiful cover i love it i haven't read it yet and they can find it on amazon.com yeah. right yeah okay cool but yeah i um i never kept a journal because if i wrote it it made it real right and a lot of people have kept journals of what's happening in the moment and if anything happened to me, I wanted to suppress it and put it away and and hide it under the bed or hide it under the rug. So I'm so glad that you were able to uh, write this book and that you're not being silent anymore. I'm tired of being silenced, aren't you? Yes. And I have to say that, you know, one of the hardest things about writing and publishing this book is, I mean, I had a friend that said something to me about um, she told me how to behave a certain way and said, well, I just don't want your kids to be ashamed of you. Uh, yes. And so that friendship has ended. Um, yeah. I've lost I, a lot of friendships. Yes. And for, for speaking up. And I have to say one of the one most wonderful moments was hearing my kids talk about how proud they were of me for writing the book. Yes. They're not ashamed. They're proud of their mom for speaking up. And that just makes me. Well, I'm very proud of you. And I congratulate you for being here. I, it takes a lot of courage, strength, and um, perseverance to be here, to, to show that you're not ashamed. Yeah. And this is a statement that I do put in my talk. I grew tired of being ashamed of crimes I did not commit. Yes. I'm, I'm tired of being silenced. I'm tired of being ashamed of it. You know, we can't we can't change that part of our story, but we can change the ending. Yes. And this show is all about showing that and showing victims and survivors whatever trauma you're going through is that you can rewrite your story. You can have a happy ending. We can't change what happened to us but we can change the ending. And I'm so proud of you. So thank you for doing that. So you felt compelled to write your book. Um, and you, I think you said you wrote this during the, the pandemic. How long, yeah. when did you start writing it and how long did it take? Well, so um, after I wrote that first story um, about uh, my sexual assault, that was back in 1991 or something. Um, I periodically would sit down and write short stories about some of my life experiences. And I felt like I really had a distinct voice and I had something to share, but I was like, I mean, I'm not a rock star. I'm not an actor. I'm not an athlete. I'm not a Holocaust survivor. I'm not a recovering addict. Like who's going to care. Right. I couldn't see how anything I had to say was relevant, would be compelling to anyone. And when COVID hit, I realized this was a universal trauma that was happening to us all together. And I also realized that my response to it was not the norm. When we go through trauma, one of the gifts we get from that is emotional resilience. And the more trauma you go through, the more the strength you have, that sort of that that tinsel, that that iron strength you build within you from from all those different experiences. So for me, having been through multiple traumas, when COVID hit, I was like, literally, I got this. Like, what else? I've already been through so much. So exactly. I, I, was, like, I was like, okay, we know this is happening. How are we going to get on. through it? <laughs> right. 
how are we to get through this? And for me, and this is, you know, kind of how far you can go with taking this in another direction. I have come to realize I look at obstacles as opportunities. And so in a weird way, I, when I see an obstacle where people, most people will be like, oh, I'm screwed, you know, this just happened now, you know, I get excited because I go, wow, there's an opportunity here. This is like, like with the, with COVID, I was like, this is a once in a lifetime, once in a generation opportunity. This is when you look at history, it's these moments in time where the most innovation and positive change and fortunes are made. And so instead of, you know, being one of the people who, and I understand some people use alcohol to get through things, but you kept hearing about people that had their, their recycle bins full of (laughs) overflowing with wine bottles and whatnot. Exactly. And I instead said to myself, okay, we know we're going into lockdown. What am I going to get out of this? And so I determined that I was going to use the time to finally write this book that I wanted to write. But also, honestly, I felt compelled to write it. Um, And then I also decided I was going to get in the best shape of my life. So I set goals for myself for what I wanted to get out of this event. And I mean, I got more accomplished in the last year and a half. I mean, it's been a whirlwind. And and it was one of my themes in life is it's all about mindset. Mindset is a muscle. Yep. It's daily choices you make about how you view your life experiences that define you. Mindset and ha- habits. Habits, absolutely. And so I realized that because I had this gift of of being through these experiences, that if I could share my stories, that and I also had that light bulb moment where, wait a second, the things I've been through, you know, um, and sa- sadly, sexual assault, being sexually harassed, um, divorce, debt, um, losing my mother to dementia, um, losing a friend to cancer. These are things we almost everyone goes through at s- some point in their life, right? It's, it's life. <laughs> it's life, right? So while, so I can't tell the story about how something happened to me when I was backstage at some concert or something. I tell what everybody can relate to. I realized suddenly my very ordinariness is what made me relatable. And right. that by sharing how I had gotten through these things, my ordinary self, that it would provide a roadmap for people that they could maybe learn through my stories on how maybe they could use their difficulties to propel. And they will, and they will Carrie, because you're bringing it from your perspective and other people might relate to your perspective. You know, we're not going to help everyone who hears the story. Uh, But there are people with my TEDx talk and my book, his puppet no more. I've heard from survivors, but loved ones too, saying, thank you. Now I understand what my loved one went through as child sexual abuse or sexual assault. So it's not just sharing our stories just to share it. Yes, we all want to be validated. I mean, that's why I went on Oprah. I wanted to be validated and I wanted to be heard. And we all do. But I think in being heard and being validated, Also, after going through that healing aspect of it, what can we give others when we share our story to help them? And that is so important for survivors or thrivers to it's they learn that through the healing process. Wouldn't you agree? 
Absolutely. So how your message can help others. Yeah. And I think, I mean, one of the things that I have learned is, and you know, you go through this process of self-help and I went through lots of therapy and all of that and came out the other side with some tools that maybe aren't always so obvious, but they helped me. And I think we each have our own kind of bundle of tools and we can take from each different person that we listen to and kind of create our own basket of tools. But that's what I like to share when I'm talking to people is sort of like, particularly mindset is one of the most important things. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, and the tools, what works for one is not one size fits all. I went through two years of talk therapy when I finally reached out for help for my child sexual abuse and the rape by a colleague. Uh, I finally reached out to a crisis center, two years of therapy. I'm, I'm like, okay, I, I accept this. I'm one and done. But as time went on, I realized my self-esteem, my self-worth, my confidence was sinking back into those old self-sabotaging habits. And I realized that one and done, we have to continue healing. We have to continue continue with, with self-education. It's a never-ending process, honestly. It's a ne- yeah, it's a never-ending yeah. process. So when you find yourself going down a negative path, what is one tool that you use to help bring you out of that darkness that you can share with the audience? You know, more recently, I, it's funny because I really am big on living what I say. And so, and, and, and living what I wrote and I talked to my assistant and I, I, I say to her, if I am not living something that I say that I am about, call me on it, please. And I'm needed. Yeah. Um, so one of the things I said in my book at the very end, I talked about how, um, basically to bloom. I mean, I talk about how shit is quite literally fertilizer. So it all is. This trauma <laughs> and stuff, it is quite literally. So all this trauma and stuff is actually, if you go, if you own it, instead of hiding it, examine it, you'll find the nutrients you need to bloom into greatness. There are gifts in there. You, you inherited traits or you, you learn behaviors or tools to survive that are gifts that you're given. And so I talk about life is like a garden. And if you have a garden and you're, once you're blooming, you can't allow rodents to come in and eat the garden. So I'm big on boundaries and it's boundaries are really hard, particularly for sexual assault survivors, because one of the reasons that happens a lot is because we don't have boundaries. We were somehow trained not to have them. And so what I've realized, and and I think more and more now that I'm out here talking, people are like, oh, well, you've you've got it made. You know what you're talking about. I'm just going to dive bomb into your life. And yes. And, and, and I, you know, just dump my stuff on you. And then I'm going to blame you for what's going on in my life and, and not do any work. And so it's been one of the tools that's so important is when I see that I've stopped myself and go, wait a second, this person just dive bomb in with their toxicity. No, they don't get to do that. And so I create that boundary and I handle it however I can to create that distance again and, you know, push them to help you try to help show them. Tools, right. But but they don't get to dive bomb in and destroy my life and dump their stuff on me. So, well, that that's good. And I'm glad you brought that up because one of those tools that we need to start using more is our intuition because being survivors of sexual assault, child abuse, we don't 
we're not allowed to listen to our intuition because of the crimes committed against us. They're forced upon us. We know it's wrong, but we're also told there's nothing you can do about it. This is your fault. Uh, And so that's one thing that I like that, that you brought that up because that is a good tool to set those boundaries. Listen. Yes. So there's actually a huge chunk of my book about intuition. Good. Yes. So I actually, um, so I had some difficulties with my, I have a very challenging father. Um, And I grew up walking on eggshells and always navigating, you know, whether a bomb was going to go off. Mm. And somebody asked me, you know, what's the greatest gift you have? And my greatest like trait is intuition. Like that is, I have like epic intuition. Good for you. so, So I said, and they said, well, how do you think you got that gift? And I had to think about it. And I realized I mean, it's my sixth sense. I had to develop to survive in that environment. I said, well, I have this gift of intuition because of my childhood. And in that moment, I realized that if I was grateful for my gift of intuition, I could not separate it from the path that birthed it. And I suddenly was able to have gratitude for my childhood. And in that moment, I was able to forgive my father. And I was finally free of all of that. That's so that shift in perspective of understanding that it was the horrible childhood that birthed this gift was that again, it's, it's yeah. Anyway, no, that's good. That's good. The lessons are there and we need to listen. We need to learn to listen to our intuition. We need to learn to listen what's being told to us because there's some messages there. Like they say, there's messages in the mess. And that's one thing that we don't, we're not taught. We're not taught to believe or listen to ourselves. So I'm glad that you shared that. And so uh, in your book called Blooming, so that's great. So you combine wit and wisdom and you share your journey. And I, I love that finding gifts in the shit of life. <laughs> no, good for you. Uh, when did you publish it? It came out in November of, of last year. Oh, wonderful. Well, congratulations. So how, tell me how, how, how did RuPaul and Coco, Coco Chanel influence your life? Those are two different people from two different spectrums. But how did those two people, I love them both. How did they influence your life? Well, RuPaul said, the quote I use in the book is, you weren't born to fit in. You were born to stand out. Mm. And it gives me chills just even saying it. Um, I mean, he had the courage before anyone to get out there and say, this is who I am. Love me the way I am. Deal with it. Yep. And so it's funny for me because you're right. I mean, I quote Brene Brown, RuPaul, it's all over the mouth. Um, But he honestly, if I could, I, I would love to be able to thank him in person. Like that message, that quote right there gave me the freedom to say, I am tired of trying to fit in. I am tired of it. Maybe I'm going to try something new and just love myself. 
wow, what a <laughs> and what a revelation. And embrace these qualities that I have and stop trying to dumb them down and make people happy. You know, I mean, we we women are the worst. We're always like, I, I, I like to joke that if you've seen the movie, The Matrix, one of the early ones, he's like moving to avoid bullets. I would shape shift in my life. So whoever I was with, I was making them happy. Yep. It was never shift to, to make them happy. I like that. I, I like that. We, yeah, we as women, I don't know why we're, we're taught that we're not taught that it's, it's just in our DNA from years ago that, that we're supposed to please and be people pleasers. And, and if we stand out, you know, you're a bitch or whatever, and that's yeah. so not true. Yeah. <laughs> We need to learn to be comfortable in our own skin. And that's funny that you say that because I just put something on my Facebook today that I I grew tired of pretending to be someone and, and try and fit in. And I've come across women who are bullies. I mean, oh, yeah. sadly, yeah, and women, you'd think they'd grow out of it from high school, but whatever. But so RuPaul, I love RuPaul phenomenal human human being what, what about coco chanel that how did coco influence you too well other than she's one of my style you know fashion icons all right um yeah she's an original and she really underscores what i believe and i'm going to give career advice so you know in order to matter and be something that you you don't want to lose. You have to stand out and be an original. You, you want to be someone that um, it takes a different path. It's kind of the same RuPaul thing, but it's, I mean, she's about being an original. And so many, many times in my career, I've watched that everyone else is doing something. They're all going one direction and maybe, and not getting a good result usually. And I'll stop and ask myself, hmm, how can I do this differently where I can get a better result? And a lot of times it's been, I've been like the underdog completely. And just by taking a moment and deciding to go a different way, I've had huge success. And Coco Chanel, you know, which she did her first uh, blazers, her knit blazers and whatnot. She was the first one to do that and was ridiculed initially for that. And I just love the way, you know, her, her life it really inspired me. So. Wonderful. And we all need those heroes and mentors. And it, it, you know, you've, like I said, different spectrums, RuPaul to Coco Chanel. Good for you. I mean, one of my TV heroes and mentors, Oprah Winfrey, and I got to be on her show and tell her, thank you. Your show saved my life because it was because her encouraging me. And we all need those people we look up to. And the more we share our story and become comfortable in our skin, we're going to be heroes, sheroes for other people. And what I like to tell people, Carrie, is you don't have to write a book unless you want to. You don't have to be on Oprah Winfrey unless you want to. But you should talk about your story and get help, get healed, get happy because, you know, it's your life. It's your life. It's my life. It, 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 we are, we're not born 
we were not put here to please other people. Yeah. We were we were born into this life to become the best version of ourselves to help lift other people. Yeah. Not become other people. Exactly. The thing is, the reason why there's so much pressure to fit in is because people like things that look like themselves. Mm. And the minute you start to stand out and step out of the shadows and into the light, you feel resistance and bullying and darts being thrown at you. But the thing is, is that God took all this trouble to make each of us, these you know individual snowflakes, completely different, right? Yep. And if we don't utilize those very special, unique gifts that we have, I feel like we're not honoring him. That's so true. That, that helps me when I get hurt or frustrated about someone trying to beat me back into fitting in. I just remember, okay, I'm finally at 54, finally stepping out and saying, no, I'm claiming my square inch in this world and I'm going to tell my story and I'm going to be my authentic self. Good for you. Good for you. And that is what the show is about is to encourage victims and survivors. If you haven't get help, get healed, get happy. I am on the rain, the rape and incest national network as I'm on their speaker bureau. So I encourage people, if you haven't gotten help to go to rain, R-A-I-N-N.org. There is a toll-free number that you can call and they will help you if you're a survivor of incest, child abuse, sexual assault, domestic violence, they will help you call the number and I'll have it in the show notes too. When you find yourself going down a negative path, you know, I know you like to, um, to journal and things like that. Do you find yourself um, isolating or do you put yourself in the company of others when tell me, you know, which helps you the best? You know, it's funny. I've been thinking about that lately. Um, I have just, you know, I was always hiding under the stairs <laughs> as oh, a kid. We're all hiding out, somewhere. Right. And it was either that or in my bedroom, um, curled up with a book. And so those were my hiding places. And sort of, I realized that when I'm struggling, I, I often will retreat to my bedroom with a book and just kind of, I tend to search for solitude. I do a lot of inner reflection. That's both good and bad. I mean, it does help me just still things. And if I get away from a lot of inputs, I can kind of, you know, get back to feeling okay about myself. But I really realized recently that I'm, you know, some of my bad habits stemmed from me not getting more social interaction and doing too much of that retreating. And so I've made it, I've identified that as an area where I need to improve. I mean, I love social interaction, but I'm much more, I'm the uh, ambivert who I do great in when I'm talking to people, but I need that time to recharge. Yep. And I think people assume because they see me doing great. They have no idea how much recharging I'm doing. It's a lot. <laughs> right, right. I, I'm an extrovert introvert. So yeah. And people like I, I can be on, you know, going a hundred miles an hour, I can be on when I'm around people. But when I get home, I want to shut the door and turn off the phone because we need to recharge. Yeah, and I yeah. think that's important to share that. Thank you for sharing that with us. 
Um, so there are a lot of women and men who have been sexually assaulted. Uh, what what advice could you give to them briefly, you know, to help them know that they're not alone, obviously, but um, what advice would you give them to help keep them on a positive note? Oh, well, first of all, I would say absolutely reach out for help. Do not minimize. Don't let anybody else minimize. And I think I think it starts out with our mind. We start telling ourselves, did this really happen? Did I, you know, acknowledge? I mean, I think now we're getting a little more, I feel like, permission. It's terrible to say that. But in society, to say, no, this happened to me. Own it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's important to reach out and, and say this happened to you, get help. And I think the other aspect of this is it's okay to feel bad as women. We're not allowed to either, to either be, be, to feel sad or to feel angry. Mm -hmm. And so I think one of the things that I talk about is acknowledging this hurt. I was hurt. I was sad. I went through all kinds of therapy because I really struggled with depression and anxiety and all of that. And so I think it's, it's, it's okay to say, look, I'm hurting. And then it's, but it's also important to make sure that you utilize the resources that are out there to help so that you can get to the other side of it. I think one of my messages is like, you have a choice in life. And that is you can sit there and, and, and wade in the mud and just stay there. Or you can move through it and like go through the stages of, of grief and, you know, get, I like to say, you have to reach rage to reach forgiveness. You, yeah. you have to feel the anger. The no, you cannot get true forgiveness until you've had that true anger. And then you can say, okay, release it and forgive and then start really healing. But you have to give yourself permission to go through all that. But first it starts with saying, this really happened to me. Yeah. Yeah. And being angry and, and having all those emotions are part of the healing process. You want to get angry. We go through the denial. We have to go through acceptance, denial, grief, anger, all of those emotions. And, um, and if you don't, it will show up in other ways in your life. Oh yeah. And I talk yeah. about that in my TEDx talk in my book too. So yeah, be sure and yeah. watch that. But Okay, this has been great. I am so thrilled that you were able to be on the show today. And let me see your book again and tell me what it is. Blooming. Yes, finding gifts in the shit of life. Okay, and I'll have that in the show notes. So that they can find that on your website. What is your website, Carrie? My author website is carrington-smith.com. And Carrington is spelled C-A-R-R-I-N-G-T-O-N. Okay. Yes. Yes. Smith. And I'll have that in the show notes as well. But if somebody's just listening to the audio right now, they can go. Is it on Amazon as well? It, it's on Amazon as well. Yes. Okay. All right. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I certainly appreciate you being here today. And we can't shut up anymore. I think you'll agree that telling our story. We, we want to be validated. We, we want to be heard. We need it. We for enabled us to heal. We have to talk about it. 
And yeah, I've lost a lot of friends just like you um, telling people, you know, they just couldn't listen to it. And Brene Brown says this is called uncomfortable sympathy when people say something like, oh, well, you know, just get over it. Don't let your past define you, blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. I talk about that in the TEDx talks. I want people to see it. So Carrington, thanks for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. This has been fantastic. Good. And I am going to go watch your TEDx talk. So <laughs> <laughs> Great, great. Yeah, I think um, it, it has helped so many people. And I've heard from so many people around the world, from every country, I think. And it's just been amazing. And I think you're going to get the same response with your book, Blooming. Good luck with that. I wish you much success. Thank you so much. All right. It's been a pleasure being here. So Sir Thriver, thank you so much for tuning in today. It's been a, a pleasure having Carrie here, Carrington Smith. Please listen in. You can hear the audio and go to my YouTube channel, Rena Romano TV. You can sign up for there and go to my website, renaromano.com and get your 52 weeks of free transformational affirmations that will help you heal on a weekly basis. So until next time, Sir Thriver, I wish you peace, love, hugs. Ciao for now. Bye.